Welcome to the Family Biz Show. According to Family Enterprise USA, family businesses in the U.S. account for over 64% of GDP and employ 62% of the workforce. In other words, they are the backbone of our economy. But success doesn't come easy. Only 13% are operating in the third generation. The Family Biz Show is here to help. Listen in weekly to hear stories from other family businesses and industry thought leaders so that you and your family not only survive, but thrive. Welcome, everybody, to The Family Biz Show. I am your host, Michael Columbus, with Family Wealth and Legacy here in Rochester, New York. And we are joined by Genevieve Norris, uh, Brown Norris, sorry, and Rob, and Rob Norris. I get that right? I just did that wrong, didn't I? That's good. <laughs> well, welcome to both of you. Really, really excited to have you guys here. Um, you know, Seabreeze is the iconic park, amusement park here in upstate New York, Rochester. And I can't tell you how many school trips I've taken to Seabreeze growing up for years. I've taken my children to Seabreeze. I've gotten to take my grandchildren to Seabreeze. And so we're really, really blessed to have you both here. Uh, the way we typically start the show is, you know, for family-owned business members to talk about what was your journey to enter into the family business? Because it's different for, for everybody. So, Rob, if you wouldn't mind kicking us off. Sure. Well, thanks for having us here today. This is going to be an interesting thing to share. Um, born into the business, you know, is an interesting deal that, you know, because we're such a multi-generational family, um, you know, it's, it's, we were raised at, actually we had a, a family compound on the park property and uh my, you know our, our, my grand her grandparents my my parents uh, worked here my uncles and that certainly my grandfather was kind of the matriarch of, of the place or patriarch um so from a little kid you know we started working here you know picking up papers and, and doing whatever and whatever tasks or counting chain banks and um but you know once we got into i got into high school um I was kind of a pretty young manager, you know. I was I was, I was a manager of college kids, <laughs> so you, you learn how to how to really uh, work with people that are either older than you or you know uh, wiser than you. Um, but you know, it kind of gave me my first taste of, of management. Uh, so I, I got that experience, and then also um, you know working around my father, grandfather, and the construction and the things. Um, went to college in Indiana, got a degree in civil engineering. Um, and that gave me a quite a great uh, uh, background for working in, in this industry. You know, engineering isn't just about numbers, it's solving problems. And with a, with a degree in engineering, uh, structural engineering, gave me such a great background for the park. Um, and when we got out of school, it, my brothers and sisters were also graduating about the same time, a couple of years before me and after me. And um, park was in tough shape at that time. Um, very low attendance, uh, teetering on the edge of selling it for condominiums and um, as a way of many family-owned parks went at that time. Um, but we presented my grandpa with a plan to say, 
here's our vision of how we got to do it, but to do it, you got to step aside. So my grandfather uh, graciously stepped aside. My father, who was uh, kind of the general manager at the time, uh, relinquished a lot of his responsibilities at that time. And our generation took over running the place when we were in our young 20s, mid-20s. How many siblings were all working in the business? Um, two brothers and a sister. And, and, and we're all still working here today. So we've been working together for 50 years. Wow. And then my cousin Susie was a key member also for many, many years. Okay. So we had a team of five and we kind of divvied up the task according to where people's best talents were. And we shared all the big decision-making. I rose to become the general manager and president of the company. But everybody was a key team member. So very interesting that 99% of our decisions are unanimous. You know, we may have difference of opinion, but we coalesce around a, a common thought. And, and that's kind of where we get, got to be today because we just <clears throat> get strong thoughts, but we figure out what's best for the company. And then as I always mentioned at Genevieve, we can have some hot discussions. We leave the office and you let it go. Yeah. Sometimes it'll, it'll linger <laughs> for a day or two, but you, you, you let it go. That's okay. It's, I don't know if you've ever read the book, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Patrick Lencioni talks about, you know, you need to have the trust to be able to have those conflicting conversations. You know, it's a conflict. We've never watched a movie that didn't have any conflict. Nobody's going on a roller coaster that doesn't make you lose your stomach or, or, or scare you a little bit. We, we need that conflict, but then you need to commit together. And that's what it sounds like. You've, you've achieved that formula without the training, you know, without having somebody teach you that book. It's just through years of experience. Good for you. Yeah, well, and by necessity, you know, yeah. <laughs> you learn by the mistakes and you learn by those challenges and you find a, a system that works for the family. And right. Ours happened to work this way. I, I, I know all the families that, you know, it, it doesn't work that way. And they still, they still survive, um, but we just have happened to have this thing that worked out and uh, great you know we got this far nice Genevieve tell us about your uh, what was your journey into the family business uh great question I was actually living on park property until I was four right next to the jackrabbit so the sound of roller coasters is very therapeutic for me um, but I started around eight years old in the counting room straightening dollar bills from the games drop boxes. So I would sit there and straighten dollar bills only, you know, for a small amount of time and I'd get quarters and I'd go down and spend them in the arcade and then come back the next day and do it all over again. So I started off young, then I went to cash in the cashier department, then I worked in the games department, I became a department manager at 18, then I went over to the rides department, learned the intricacies of that. And then I became a park manager and then soon after that director of operations. So I've um, gotten my feet wet and a little, a bit of everything in the park, not as much in maintenance, but um, everything else operationally, I've got my thumb on. So it's been nice that as much as I, I loved games and I really wanted to stay in games forever, I knew that I had to learn different aspects of the park to be a, a better well-rounded um, manager of the park. And I, I did go to St. John Fisher College and graduated there with my business degree and, and just general business because I didn't know exactly which 
concentration I wanted to go in. So I just got a general business degree and it was great going to school. I worked part-time um, at the park while going, you know, in, in high school and in, in college and then started full-time right after I graduated and have been in the position I've been in for about 12 years now. So she left the, out the formative years when in the back of this room, there's a big oh, yeah. cardboard box that the uh, stuffed animal used to come in. And yeah. she, she had little cutouts and that was her little playhouse here when she was three I, years old. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in a cardboard box that was like a <laughs> ring toss size prize so I could fit in there and I'd take my quarters in there and put stickers on it and I spent a lot of time here as a kid. My other favorite memory as a kid was he would, um, when we first got our water park, he would turn on the slides in the morning and I was a good swimmer and I would just go play in the pools and go up the water slides and have fun and we had a big bounce house so we'd blow that up so I'd go jump on that for an hour just to entertain myself. So I'm an only child, so I had to learn how to entertain myself. But at an amusement park, it is pretty easy to do. Not, not learn, how to drive, learn how to drive in a golf cart, that type of thing. So it, it, I had a lot of my formative years here and I have spent a lot of time at the park. And I think that's why we both have such a passion for the amusement park industry, not just Seabreeze, but we grew up here. It's in our blood. We love riding rides. We've been to a lot of parks. Um, something that we're really passionate about, I think, because it was ingrained at a, in us at a young age. Yep. Um, we were all, I think, empowered to go and do our own thing, but we've all wanted to come back to the park, and I think that that says something about the way we grew up. Obviously, I grew up differently than you did, yep. but I think fundamentally the, the same thing is there. Yep. Very cool. You know, it's it's interesting that as you're talking about that. You know, if when I talk to many family business owners, they talk about that family employment policy and and you guys break the rule, so to speak. The, you know, the rule is you need to go and spend five years, go doing your own thing, prove that you prove yourself out there that you can move up the ladder someplace else and then bring back that knowledge to the family business. And I, I, I would throw to you that one of the reasons why that doesn't apply to you guys is for exactly what you talked about. You've spent so many years inside of the park on a regular basis since the day you started where like in manufacturing, you're not going to be spending your, your time in a manufacturing facility. And you're not going to, you know, if you're 10 years old, you're not on the construction site because of, you know, OSHA regulations, you might be on the farm. And, and that's the, the farm, I think, is another place where it, it works quite the same way, where they don't always follow that rule, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I kind of kicked myself because I feel like I could have gone to another amusement park. Um, I have a friend that's um, in a similar position where his family owns an amusement park, and he actually got to go to Germany and work in uh, at Europa Park for three months, I think. And I kind of wish I had done that, but I am such a Rochester homebody. I went to college here. I just, I love Rochester. I have such a Rochester sense of pride. So it was hard for me to leave home and I'm an only child. So um, I kind of blame myself for not getting outside of my comfort zone, but I also think it's been beneficial to be here throughout. So I've seen all the changes and I haven't really skipped a beat um, because I wasn't gone for a while. Got it. One of the, you know, the things that I found interesting in just finding you guys is I really didn't know that you were family owned and how many generations. So if I had one piece of advice for your family is put that right up there someplace so that the rest of the world knows that story really, really well. Um, there's, I, I share this with other families and you may have heard this before, but um, the Edelman Trust Barometer 
is an organization that they measure trust in, in different areas. And they've done it in family business. And in 2019, that was the last report, family businesses that promote the fact that they're a family business and let people know both customers and employees give them a 20% bump in trust. That's a lot of extra trust. You, you mentioned that briefly when our discussions I did. in April, and we actually took some of that and rolled it into our uh, PR this spring. This spring and yeah. we people really reached out to us. The media really reached out to us this spring because of being you know closed for a whole year. And I don't know if you saw the DNC article. There was you know multiple when it opened back. It was very quite a bit. So we actually said, you know, I think you got a good point there. It's time to yeah. to get the family out there a little more. You know, we're a little more. Uh, we're pretty conservative. And, you know, we don't like to you know. Uh, be the big front and you know, the face on TV, but at the end of the day, I, I certainly understand people do want to support family businesses. And we, yeah. We've certainly seen that this this spring and early summer that people uh, really want to come back and support the product, which is yeah. great. The the other piece about that is there's a difference between the corporate. You know, there might be one within 45 minutes of us. You know, that's more the corporate flair versus the family flair. And if you think about how you run the park and the decisions you make, a lot of times it's like, well, what would I want for my family? What would I want to feel? It's not just about where do I, how do I maximize dollars, you know, as the people are going through our park. It's like, you know, what would we want? You grew up in that park and have a lot of respect and um, admiration and, you know, you know what I'm saying? You're doing. Yeah, what's interesting is one of my uh, uh, common uh, thoughts is, uh, which I tell people, um, the different time perspective. You know, the, uh, the corporate parks are really worried about the next quarter. We're worried about the next generation. So it's a whole different philosophy on how you get to that endpoint, and it gives us a little longer vision of. of, of uh, uh, we're not so driven by tomorrow. Yeah. You know, we're, we're driven by the future and, and every decision we make it has to have a little longer term thought to it ah i love that and you know for those of us in upstate new york we are in iroquois country and i don't know if you've ever heard this before but when the iroquois were making decisions it's like first of all we need to respect the elders that came seven generations before us and we need to think about because we're borrowing from the future of seven generations after us. Oh, so how do we make those decisions? And that's really wise that, that you think that way Good for you. I think the other thing too, it, I think the difference between us and the big corporate parks is we really hone on the experience and the multi-generational experience of the families because we've been here for so long. And we have a really outstanding trip advisor. Um, we're I, I can't even overrank these, but we've we've well, been ranked last year. We're top thirteen in the country. Yeah, wow. Disney and Sea World and Six Flags. So we are put on the map because of our, I think, the customer service and the the experience that we provide. It's not as that big corporate feel, but more that family memory creating generational experience that I think is unique to our park. And and there are some other family parks out there that's like us, but I think it's just a different experience than your big. Six Flags, Universal, Disney type of things. Right. It's always, it's rush, rush, one to the next, one to the next, one to the next, grab some food and go where you guys, it is, it is nice to sit and watch and, and people watch and do all the, the nice things with your grandkids and the kids and 
I, I would agree. Your grandkids, oh, I had those same sugar waffles 40 years ago and the recipe hasn't changed. You know, it's, it's that type of thing that you can also share those experiences with the younger generation and they get to experience it. Um, but the, the one thing we continually have to do is, yeah, yeah but you still want to be considered old. Yeah. Right. You know, today, you know, you still need to be fresh. We have to keep reinventing ourselves. So we, we always say we embrace our past, but we're always looking to the future. You know, that we're not really hung up on trying to do everything old. <laughs> and I think that's where we've had a, a fear of doing too much about the generations and how old we are because we don't want to seem old because people don't want to go to an old amusement park that seems old and out of date. So it's right. embracing that history, but also celebrating the modernization of it all, but still having kind of that traditional aspect of it. So it's a fine line to film. Yeah. Yeah. But for example, the gyrosphere is not there any longer. Right. Yeah. So you know? Well, there's, you know, hundreds of rides that have come through this place and you have to make the right decisions and keep moving ahead. And sometimes it's, you lose some nostalgic things, but you also uh, make way for some new cool. Well, and quite frankly, you know, safety, safety is our biggest uh, concern and certainly our focus of everything. You know, when uh, the engineering and the, uh, things run out of time, you got to change them out. Right. Uh, Look at a new car. Yep, you know, we've got to change things out. So it's, which is, which is great. It's fun. That's the fun part of the business. Yeah. I love it. So when you're going through a process, you know, talk, just from a business perspective, talk about how do you make these, those kinds of decisions? What are the, what, you know, what does planning look like from a business decision inside of your organization? Well, <laughs> Unfortunately, it's all up here, and, and, and a lot of it I drive. That, that's my major um, focus: is, is the planning, development, and progress. Um, you know, as we we mentioned before, um, earlier conversation. I, I travel the world uh, on behalf of the park and our, our international association. So I've I've seen uh, hundreds and hundreds of parks, and so I'm, I'm, I'm have. Uh, thousands of friends out in the industry, you know, so we really swap a lot of uh, information with our, our fellow park. I mean, I was on the phone this morning with a guy who owns the Shannon Forest, you know, and I got something from an email from a guy down in North Carolina this morning. So we were always um, in, in contact with other parks, both family parks and the theme parks. So we're always looking to see the trends, find out what's, uh, what's appropriate for us. And then really look at our um, uh, mix of attractions and say, you know, what's 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 next? Okay. With the ultimate decision is we got to pay it. We got to pay for it. We got to pay mm -hmm. back the money that we borrow. You know? Right. And one of the toughest things you got to do in this industry, and I think almost all industries, you have to set your ego aside because. You want to be the biggest. You, know, you want to have the latest, the tallest, the, the fastest. Tallest. You know, that's our our, our uh, industry is driven by the S. You know, um, but we have to do things that are size appropriate for us. So that's what we do is, and I really concentrate on is making sure that we can get an attraction in here that works well for us, that fits within our budgets, that don't drive the gate to a a, a price that uh, uh, will eliminate a certain. Uh, segment of our, our community. Um, so it's that fine balance of, of, of knowing how much to invest. And there's some rules of thumb in our industry of 
of how much our capex should there be versus your, your overall revenue. We, we tend to work within that range, um, but it's a fine balance to find that the right piece of equipment and for uh, you know any family business, especially one in ours is so capital intensive, that's a, that's a critical decision. And, right. you know, we, we don't stick our neck out as far as a lot of other places do from, from a debt standpoint. And this past year was a blessing for that. Not being open you know, and, and having any revenue for 18 months and still keeping a full staff on was a, a real test of making sure we had invested properly in the past and weren't too far out on, on, the, on the edge. So it's a, it's, a, it's a great balance we have to do. And we all discuss it. You know, I might come in with some proposals, but I'll have to get shot down. And then once they get shot down, we're, yeah, that probably wasn't a good idea. You know, <laughs> you know so, you know, it's, we have, uh, it's us and the next generation because she's going to inherit the debt, you know. So at the end of the day, you got to make sure uh, right. everybody buys into it and it's, and it's uh, the right side of which way to go on, on, on investments. Right. So you, we talked, you, you hit on the pandemic that it's here right now. Um, walk us through, I mean, I found this so interesting. You're one of the few family businesses thus far that I've spoken to that was the family was in business during the Spanish flu in 1918 and now, now COVID-19. So I'm, I'm, I'm nervous what the next thing's going to be called. So you had 1918, you had COVID, COVID-19, which something's going to be 20 for you guys, you oh, know, a yeah. hundred years from now or something. So talk about that, Genevieve, if you don't mind, you know, just walk us through. I mean, is there family stories about what it was like going through the, the, the Spanish flu versus, you know, and then compare it to what, what's happening now? Um. Well, we weren't around in 1918, so right. I can't really attest to what happened then, but I know that we were able to get through it. We went through the Great Depression, um, a couple of the wars, you know, so we, we definitely were resilient in that way. Um, I think last year was a, something that none of us anticipated happening. We couldn't, none of us could have planned for that. You know, we, thankfully, like Rob said, we didn't have a huge capital investment that year, so it kind of timed out well, um, but I think I think the hardest part was the the uncertainty of it all and not knowing when we could open. And it was week to week. Week to week. Okay, the governor's office is gonna say next week, and then we're gonna hear in two weeks. And then once it became, you know, middle of uh, July, we finally got the the call that we couldn't open at all. So I think having that maybe next week we can open it and then trailing the staff along, I think was also very challenging. We, we kept on our full-time staff and they were all very grateful, but then we also hired our normal 800 staff last year that were never able to start. So that was, I think also frustrating is, is getting ready, spending the money and the investment and the training and the orientating and all of that to then have to pull the plug and not be able to open. I think that, that was also very frustrating. Um, personally, it worked out perfectly. I ended up having my first and probably only child um, last April. So I had a COVID baby. Um, so it worked out personally great because I got to work more part-time and I wasn't here on nights and weekends like I normally am. So um, for me personally, it was a wonderful summer, but I know for everybody else in the country, especially at the park, um, it was definitely frustrating. But again, I would say just the anticipation and then the kind of the letdown of not being able to open, I think was probably the most challenging. Yeah, and I think, I think, and obviously the financial situation, right. um, that's 
you know, I, we were on pins and needles until, uh, you know, first New Year's because, mm -hmm. you know, they really didn't come up with a PPP two and then some of the uh, uh, other credits that we were taking advantage of until then. So we were really looking at some, you know, some serious debt. Um, right. And when that came through, that really changed uh, changed things for us. You know, we had a great relationship with our bank. And they were really standing behind us and, and going to give us what we needed to do to get through. But um, our accountants were an integral part of the process as well. Oh, we couldn't have done it without them. They were they were working, the backbone you know, of it. They went over and hour, above. hours and hours and hours just trying to maximize what you know to make sure we took advantage of every program that was out there. At the end of the day, it, it, we did bank out pretty well with it. Yeah, I mean, I remember the beginning of the pandemic. And, I, and I've talked about this on the show before, but one of the things that we did, we're, we had scheduled our first um, business coaching, you know, strategy session for March 23rd, 20, I don't, it was, I don't know the exact date, but that, and like, yep, that got yanked and we had a March and April and May and we were all ready just to, because I'm all, you know, when I, when I work with new people, it's all about just give value. And eventually you give enough value you know, people are like, oh, um, why don't we just work together? And so that kind of my philosophy, but we're like, we can't do that now. What do we do? And so we started doing webinars and all of the webinars were supply chain. They were, you know, cost, you know, making sure you're getting your cash flow and you're, you know, in order and, and you're watching everything, put together a 90 day budget, put together a six month budget and be conservative as you're doing this stuff. And I will tell you, you know, we've gotten some emails from people that you know, that went through that with us as we were sharing those moments. They're like, if you hadn't done those, I'm not sure I would have made the same decisions. And you know, we were we were telling people to be more conservative. I have friends in New Zealand and Australia, Australia that just were getting hit harder, and they were locking down even more. And they were telling us, they're like, look at, you know, you're just starting to see this stuff coming to you guys be ready. And that was really a big help. So I you know, go back to you, what you said, Rob, that, that network of having all of those people inside the association that you can talk to for different things, you know, it, it's definitely helpful. And I talk to all the family businesses, you know, if that are listening right now, if there's an industry association, get your next gen involved in it, get them, you know, to understand those things. And, and Genevieve, if I'm not mistaken, you're even involved in like a family business group. That's It's a private group that you guys just got together and put together. Can you talk about how that came about and some of the things that you guys talk about, you know, that makes it work? Because I think that, you know, I was really impressed. There's very few that take the initiative to do that. So what was the genesis of that? That's a great question. So I was actually part of a a group called Climb through the Chamber of Commerce of Rochester. And I met some other folks there that are my age, um, just kind of getting started in their careers. But I met a few um, business owners in that in that group. And a couple of us kind of talked offline. We knew a couple of other friends, you know, and we, we basically started, I think, with a group of five of us. And I think we're up to 12 now. Um, and it's all Rochester-based, um, family-owned businesses from a minimum of at least two generations or three generations up to, I think I'm the oldest um, at the sixth generation, oldest you know, <laughs> um, of six generations. So what's neat is that we are all in non-competing industries. So we've got, you know, a jeweler, we've got a car dealership, we've got security, we've got construction. 
an amusement park. Um, so it, it, there's a variety of different um, things that we can trade secrets with. And what I think the best part is, is we're not talking about necessarily our individual businesses, but what works well, what we've learned, our struggles maybe with our family members. Um, it's fully confidential, so I feel really safe in, in a comfortable place with these folks um, to be able to kind of talk about some of the harder things. And I think the best thing is, is that it's all very relatable. We're all in very vastly different industries, but it's all really the same when you're in a family business and it's the same kind of struggles and the same perks and, and some of the you know same things that we can share with each other. And it's about growing. And we've been doing this, I think, three or four years now. So it's been great. And um, I'm also on the board of NISHTA, which is our New York State Hospitality and Tourism Association. Um, and then we're both active in our International Amusement Park Association. So just kind of, and, and then you're also on the, the Visit Rochester Committee as well on the board. But another one that's very uh, nice, we, we've got this group of oh, yeah. 13 parks. Yeah, it? 13 amusement are, parks. But it's family owned and, and managed parks. Mm -hmm. So and we meet uh, once what, a year. three or four days once a year at a park. They were here in 20. 19, we hosted. 19, we yeah, we hosted here so, in Rochester. And what's great about it is every all the numbers are out on the table. Everybody trusts. We, we're all in non-compete areas, so we can't have parks that are close to each other. Yep. Um, but it's great because you know, from all over the country and um, different sizes, but they're all family-owned and uh, multi-generational. Yep. It's, it's a great one because it's, you get to have that network of people to talk to, too. And, and it's it, anything from where do you get your teddy bears to we've got this ride, what kind of you know, safety features are you looking at, you know, down to how much you're paying staff, you know, something like that. So it's a wide variety of it. But then uh, we, when COVID hit, I'm talking to the, the president of, of uh, Bering Lake, Six Lives, Chris Thorpe, once, well, once a week for <laughs> 50 weeks. I mean, we're talking all the time, you know, yep. talking to Albany, we're talking to the guys down in New York City, and, you know, because when you get into a crisis that's bigger than an individual park, you really kind Come of share things and kind of, you know, having that network and, and reaching out of your little cocoon. And that's that, that's what really helped us get us through this thing. Yeah. As frustrating as it was, <laughs> at least we were all on the same page. Gotcha. So we got to turn the second page, it's still <laughs> open, but we were still on the same first page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When talking about family owned amusement parks throughout the US, where are you, I mean, you, I, I, do you have your fingers on where do you, are you the oldest, the second oldest, third oldest? Do you know that, what that, what, where you are? Yeah, it's um, somewhat debatable, but we're, we're the fourth oldest park in the U.S. Okay. In the world. 13th oldest in the world. Amazing. Um, we're, we believe the oldest family in the amusement industry in the U.S. because although we've only been at Seabury since 1906, we started in 1876, 18, like 1876 that, yeah. in Philadelphia making carousels. So we were carousel builders prior to coming here. So we, we built and, and operated like eight carousels around, around the country and actually one in England. Um, yeah, so, England yeah, so well, when, when there's been a, there's a couple of families that have been at a single park longer than us, we're the oldest one in the in the in the country. And other than the Mock family in, in, in Europe, we think we're probably the second oldest in the world. Wow. So the oldest parks in the in the world 
uh, you know, like facilities of, of that nature um, government are government owned. owned. Government. You know, they're, they're, or they sold the corporate, yeah. the corporate. Right. So. so there's not too many of our older than us. Congratulations. But That's we also have this feeling that we're we're caretakers of this institution. As long as we can do it well, we're here. But when we feel like we're not up to it or there's better ways to promote this park, we may not be here forever. We don't know. But we right. want to make sure that Seabreeze Park exists for, you know, forever. And we don't want it to be just, you know, not about us. Not about yeah. us. That's really interesting. There's um, uh, Tom Dean wrote a book called Every Family's Business. I highly recommend the book. Um, and what one of the things he's got a series of questions that every business owner, every family should be asking annually. And one of the questions is, should we sell? And, you know, we, we need to be ready. You know, we, we should always have the business ready to sell because if you ask, I mean, it's so many times, and Genevieve, this is probably, and for both of you have been through this, it's like, you know, the by the time you get to the third, third generation, it's only 3% of her make it that far. So, I mean, you guys are in the, the minority, minority, minority already, and that family legacy piece is, weighs heavy once you get past the third generation. And many, many family business advisors use those stats to pressure how do we get family dynamics to work and make sure all these things happen. And I always say, you know, you should be really, really proud if you do sell it as a family, because what you, what be, at that point, it's probably because the family was more important than the business. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, my belief, and I, this is my bias, so I'll throw it out there as a bias you know, the Thanksgiving dinner table or whatever your traditions are, you know, or your religions are when you're gathering as a family, that's more important at the end of the day than, and keeping people's passions and purpose in place than the business itself. So. Well, and and to, to follow up on it, like I said, the business needs to continue as an amusement park. And whether we're the, the people that are the actual leaders of it or what the ownership structure is, we always want to make sure that's the best. And then, you know, things move, you know, things change, you know. Right, so right. we, we while well, we certainly would tend to be here, yeah. we don't know, you know, and we, right, we all, right. all, I think that that's, uh, like you say, that's a very important thing to say, you know, you know, got to keep planning for the future and that you don't know what it's going to be. And at a certain point, it, it, you know, quality of life and everything else. This is a very, very intense business. Yeah. You know, I, can, is, I can only imagine. Let the checks rolling. <laughs> you know, it's hands on, and if you're not hands on, you're not going to be a successful business. I always say, you know, a guy say, uh, you, get, you play golf? I go, what? <laughs> Four hours in the summer to yeah. play golf? No what? way. You know? What's a boat? What's <laughs> a beach? What is that? What are fireworks? I don't know. You know so, and that was, that was a, a wake up call for us last summer when we had weekends off. That was a nice little taste of what well, we had, it could we, be. But. 4th of July together, not here. First time for me in 50 years. Yeah, we were on a boat on the 4th of July, and I was like, what, what is our life? What yeah, happened? Yeah. So wow. There's another side to it. And it, that did give us a glimpse into uh, another a life, you know? So it's, sure. you know, so it's, it's, it's always a consideration. I've got to keep, keep different options open. One of the things, you know, when we talked last time, like you said, you, you heard that idea of bringing family into 
the, you know, in talking about the family dynamic, not dynamics, but the history uh, within the park. In my head, as you were talking, all I could see is one of those timelines of we used to make carousels back at this point, and who were those people, the stories that went with it, and 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 whatnot. And I've seen those on some of the family business, you know, um, websites from families that have a business. You know, like what's um, oh come on, I apologize. I just had a brain cramp. Um, Welch Allen. So Welch Allen has a like a little mini museum inside of you know their their business and they give you this whole timeline that's kind of neat to walk through and you guys the timeline is so interesting oh, in the park we have one we have one oh i got it. I, I have to make sure you know what it's over by the game section isn't it in the carousel in the back of the carousel yeah. okay and what else we have is really cool it's all around the park i believe john put them up um on this site and there's a photograph of what, what, what used like. to be there so there's four or five different rides in this site um, there's like a dozen you know a couple dozen of those around the park so it's kind of neat because it puts it in contact and then the museum ties it all together i cannot wait to come through next week <laughs> um it through the years you know sometimes what happened for me is when I've made mistakes, when things have not gone right, those were some of the times when the best, you know, the best things came out of those moments. If you go back through and look at, you know, either of your careers or even just stories that you've heard from the past, what were some of the things that, you know, you, everybody says, oh, I wish we did that differently, but out of that blossomed something wonderful. Does anything come to mind for you? Probably not that I want to bring up. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Stuff, you know, and uh, you know, I think I think things that we didn't anticipate, like we had a big fire in '94, multi multi million dollar fire, uh, our loss, and that that was in March, and that was a very very tough, well, not as tough as COVID, but very very tough for us, and um, you know, we had to do a gut check. You know, do we, you know, do we just take the, the, the insurance proceeds and, and, you know, so much of the park's gone, but, you know, we, we our attitude was we got 10 minutes to feel sorry for ourselves. We better get going here. So, you know, we were able to open up the park um, two and a half months after a devastating fire. And, um, two years later, we recreated the magic. Yeah. A new carousel. And that, that, that was, paintings behind us there, those are little vignettes that were painted for um, the rounding boards of our carousel we built 25 years ago. And I said, oh, those are kind of neat little collection. So, you know, that was a tough thing, um, but it did uh, change things uh, financially for us. And it, it, it uh, made us, we got to rebuild some, uh, in a very nice modern uh, version. And, Put some different equipment in, and uh, at the end of the day, it was a tough thing to go through, and we didn't lose too much money on it when it was all said and done. But it was a chance to re regrow and reconfigure things, and that, that was a tough thing. That it wasn't a bad decision, but it was a bad decision because it happened on our watch. You know, uh, get things like that that are unforeseen uh, deals. Uh, you know, we fenced the parking and went to a paid gate. You know, we used to be wide open and 
you know, uh, safety and security got to be an issue in the 70s. And we said, oh, well, time to change. And that was tough for a lot of our jets. We're used to coming and riding the jackrabbit and riding the carousel. But we knew this was the direction they had to go. And tough decision. We never look back from that decision. Adding the water park, I think, was oh. a big gamble. I think that was a huge gamble. That was the year I was born, 1986, wonderful year. Big gamble. Um, big gamble. Not, there weren't a lot of water parks. We were some, one of the first for the big manufacturer that we work with. I think we kind of helped, you know, get those guys get going. Those guys going yeah. in, uh, in right. So I think that was a big gamble to spend quite a bit of money on something that we don't know how well it's going to work out in New York when we're only open for 100 days. And those 100 days are not all guaranteed to be nice weather. As lovely Rochester, as we've seen in the last two weeks, we've had on and off rain. So I think that was a big gamble to put so much money into such a, a unique thing in, in New York at the time, 35 years ago. Um, yeah. But those are one of those things that you just got to gamble on and it worked out really well. And it's made our park what it is today so much sure. more successful. So I think that was a, a huge risk as well. Yeah. Wouldn't say mistake, but. You know, when I look back at our family, I, I think that my grandparents, my parents maybe were a little too risk averse and could have invested more money in the 60s and early 70s. Um, I know my grand, my grandfather wasn't big in the advertising. My father really brought in the more modern world of advertising and branding. And he, he really developed our group outing business. We didn't have all the company picnics and things, but he really developed that. And that, you know, yanking that out from mm -hmm. my grandfather and saying there's other ways to, to run a business. And, and he really brought us into the, uh, the validity of, of group outings, which is, has been the core of our business, or not the core, but a, a strong right. backbone is a very essential piece of our business. And we really have the grandfather for that. One of the things, an exercise that I like to do with family businesses is, you know, we're all familiar with a SWOT analysis, right? The strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, but to make the generations do them separately. Ooh. And and by doing that, you know, it's and, and spending the time to fill those things out, sometimes just ideas percolate out of that. And and then I do the same thing, like so that's just the family members, and you've got a bunch of you, but if everybody did them separately, but I do that with leadership teams. And then when you're comparing them, it's a really neat discussion point. So rather than a lot of times we work on them together. And then what I've seen is sometimes the strongest voice in the room gets the most pieces, but by making everybody do it separately and really pushing people to do it, then talk about them. Now it just creates such a really nice different discussion point. But it's interesting. We did a version of that, uh, two years ago, and it was part of our uh, uh, emergency messaging planning and, and, and PR thoughts. And we, we work with a, a consultant firm on that. And we had our, our senior management team involved in that. Um, and, you know, what are the, you know, the threats and weaknesses? And, and guess what was it on there? <laughs> a pandemic. That's one thing we <laughs> never up. saw. And when we, we, yeah, when literally, we, we, everything we, else we came up with. We reconfigured it in the spring. The spring we have this well, <laughs> Nope, didn't figure about that one. Yeah, I, I, would, I would venture to guess that if every organization looked at the threat box, nobody had pandemic on there. Nope, nope. So you're not, you're not alone. Don't, uh, don't beat yourself up too much on that one. But I did, I, I, I am happy that we were 
I was in serious discussions for a major water attraction last February, uh, 2020 February. And I just started getting the sense that things aren't going well out there. And before it really hit New York and everything shut down, it was like, eh, put this on hold. Boy, we were so glad we didn't commit to that. You know, so it's like, you gotta read the tea leaves out there sometimes too. Yeah, yeah we, we, when we were dealing with our, you know, our advice that we were giving out, we follow um, the leading economic indicators. And in October, it had nothing to do with the pandemic, but, but back in October of 19, we started to tell people, now's the time to, it's okay to hoard your cash. I mean, <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. We don't know whether a recession is coming, but something's on the horizon based on the numbers that we're looking at potentially now. Thankfully, you know, I kept my I kept my own advice, and um, I had my dream car that I was supposed to be buying in January, and I said mm, I'm I'm not going to do it right now, and same I, same thing. I yeah. really really made a, you know, for a good decision to hold back. Yeah. Um, talk about family for a second. You've got a lot of family members that are you know working in the park still to this day. What are some of the, do you mind sharing some of the family traditions that, you know, what is, what are some of the family traditions when you all get together? What are some of the things that you like to do? I think that's why we're so successful. We don't. Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. I host at my house usually. Um, and then we'd all go to, uh, we do a lot of bonding when we go to our international um, association convention. We spend a week together and we do a lot of dinners and, and stuff like that. And we go to other parks. Um, but we don't really spend yeah. a lot of time outside of the park together because we work together every day and we each have our own individual lives. We spend a lot of time together as daughter and son. And now that I have a grandbaby, yeah. we're, we're over there a lot more now. Yeah, you're grandpa. Yeah. I, love, I love the baby set. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and some of us are close. I'm really close with my aunt too. So, it, you know, it depends on the dynamics, but we don't spend a lot of time together outside of the park just because we're with each other a lot. Yeah, that's kind of just the way it's happened. Yeah. And I think it's different in every family, you know, so you're not, you're not trying to force to say, okay, now this is the week that we get yeah. together. This is the weekend to have these meetings and put these pieces together because you're together all the time. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And, and it's great is because we're all here, you know, like something comes up. You know, I think that's one of the, the beauties of the family business is uh, to be able to have agile management that we can turn on a dime mm -hmm. that we had this one program that I said, you know, let's change this a little bit, you know, change in one day. Yeah. Right. You know, just like we just, everybody goes, yeah, I think you're right there. You know, and just like we always get together and say, maybe we come in here and talk about it or meet individually and we can come up with something and change it like that. And that, I think that's uh, the, one of the beauties of a family business is you can, you can really be, uh, change things in a, in, a, in a timely manner to, to optimize. And we have to in a 100-day season. Yeah. You know, you can't say, well, we'll do that next year. Well, some things you can, but other things, hey, if you got an opportunity now, we can make the decision, it's great. Great. I think the other part, too, I think of the family dynamic that has worked really well for us is, I think, the level of respect, I think, because everybody kind of started from the same position and have worked their way up and have put kind of the same sweat equity into the business. I think there's that level of respect. So although we don't hang out and do family dinners a lot, I think we all have this huge respect for one another and um, treat each other kindly and leave the harder conversations at work and come back and, and not let it tear us down or tear us apart, I would say. I think yeah. that's something that I 
feel like I respect in the older generation is they they really respect each other and we may have heated debates or arguments but it's never held against one another or if if one of us gets you know more feisty than the other we all have some humility where we can come back and say listen like I reacted too strongly to that um you know let's talk about it let's let's figure it out and I think that that has really helped us as well one of the hot authors, right, you know, in the last two years is Brene Brown, and she talks about getting the team together and let's rumble this out. It sounds like your family rumbles very well and then moves forward. We rumble it out individually, not, yeah. not, not as a unit. Got it. People have, when we don't, we're kind of, in fact, you know, Debbie's always said we're a little too much conflict avoidance, you know, or, or we, <laughs> but for some reason, that has worked for my generation. Not necessarily that's what's going to work for, for her generation. Right. Everybody has to have their work out uh, the, the proper communications and stuff. And, you know, I'll be feisty to somebody and we'll, you know, kind of get a little snotty or whatever. And, you know, but then you go make nice and maybe not, you know, apologize, but you just kind of get on beyond it. And, yeah. and it's, we've had a way of, of it's worked for us. Great. Here's a question. Will there be other, are there other members of G6 coming up yeah, in the do. business already? Yep. So my cousin, I have two cousins, two male cousins um, from one of his brothers. So they're brothers. Um, and one is our director of IT and just general um, different projects special projects he helps with. Um, and then I have a younger cousin, his younger brother, um, who's just kind of getting his feet wet. He graduated college more recently. So he's trying to figure out what path he's on, but he's doing a, a variety of things with controls and technology and some marketing stuff. So we're kind of seeing which kind of path he wants to go in. So um, the three of us get along really well. Um, I think we- Different strengths. Different strengths. Yeah, we're, we're kind of yin and yang. I'm, I'm definitely more of the out, outer, uh, social out in the park battling with people um and they're more on the back side of things um but i think what i lack my cousins have and maybe what my cousins lack i have so i think it's a it's a good balance and i i wouldn't want to be the same as them and i don't think they would want to be the same as me um and i think that's kind of what's nice about them too is they're all a little bit different but all have the same moral compass and, and the same foundation and i think that's what matters i may be more a little feistier than my cousins and they may be a little bit more um, sure. reserved, but it works. And one of us has to be feisty and one of us has to be more level-headed. So I think it kind of works out with us. And I, I look forward to that in the future. Of how do we navigate that? And I think what also is nice is my cousin and I went through a, a leadership training, a whole week long thing um, with somebody locally. And um, I think we learned a lot about our own communication skills, but then also a lot about each other's communication skills and how do we talk to each other and how we approach different things and maybe our different viewpoints and still being able to come back to the same page, I think is, is gonna be beneficial. So um, they've all been working for 50 years, so they really know each other in and out and what their hot buttons are. And I feel like we're still kind of discovering that, but I think it's it's fun and it, I like people things and I think I'm, I'm into that. So it, it, I think it's gonna be fun going forward. When you did the leadership program, was the, the, the it sounds like you took an assessment. Yeah, you, oh yeah. Was it DISC? Well, yeah, the DISC, the 360. Yep, all of that. Definitely it, an eye, heavy eye. 
Yeah. A lot, a lot of times I don't, uh, people don't, that haven't been exposed to those. I think it's worth talking about those. Yeah. Yeah. I did it with my whole family last year at Columbus family vacation. And it was really interesting. That was the first time that they've allowed that we brought in a specialist yeah. to teach people what that meant. And, yeah. you know, just the family reluctantly did it. Yeah. Every one of them was so, just as it was really thankful that we did it together because it was such a great conversation and they learned a lot about each other. And you're yeah. still talking to each other. And we're still, and we're doing right. And we're meeting for yeah. vacation this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny because we don't, you know, my father started our practice and then I bought um, half of it from him. I only bought the family businesses because that's my passion. What, you know, I was also in a group Genevieve when I started 20 years ago in, when I was in Syracuse. And if it wasn't for the family business group that was part of the chamber there, you know, I'm like, why does my dad do that? You know, I mean, it just, I, I don't understand these different dynamics and, you yeah, know, yeah. what does this mean? Or and how did you approach that subject with your dad? You know, what right. was the outcome? How did he react? You know, what is his perspective on it? You know? Yeah, it, I learned lots about that. Yeah, yeah which is great. So um, it's those groups that, that, that make a difference and... Um, you know, the, the work that you guys are doing as a family and just talking things through is admirable to be going into the sixth generation to be the, what did you say? I'm sorry. I just got the fourth oldest, third oldest park in the fourth oldest family owned park in the U S is just phenomenal. And it's, it's a real testament to those things. When you're making decisions today, is there a guideline? Do you have like a set of you know, you just, you just have been working through it for so long that it just works. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think that's one thing that Genevieve's struggled with is they had a little tentative. If I'm not here driving, I mean, I don't want to do this forever. Um, who, who's going to be that focal point of, especially for, for development of park? Cause that's a, that's a unique skill set. Yeah. I'm not yeah. an engineer by trade, so I'm not good with that stuff. Yeah. So we've got a couple holes that we got to fill, I think, for the next generation. I, I certainly can't do it all. And I think you're, you're going from four people that are managing down to three. So we just got to figure out what, how to cut up the pie, I would say. And then, and then do we have to bring somebody in? You know, I think that, that that's still a potential as well uh, right. to help manage the day-to-day -day stuff um, or some experience that one of us is lacking type of thing. Well, if uh, as, a, as a business coach, if ever there's a tool or something where you're running to a hole to say, is it, you know, do you have another way of doing this? Feel free to just reach out and you're happy to give you, you know, some of those things if that, if I can help. Um, if you're talking to other family businesses, which you are right now, but if you were imparting your advice to the next generation, the rising generation, um, Genevieve, what would you share with them? And then Rob, I'd ask you, the, you know, the current generation, what's the advice that you might, you know, share with them? Either one of you can dive in. Yeah, I would say find your passion. And if it's the park, jump in head first and, and you do it and you, you learn from the bottom and you work your way up and you have that passion and you kind of put your head down and you just do it. I feel like that's kind of how I was raised. Um, but also have compassion. I think sometimes in a business world, it's very, um, what's the word? Uh, 
be tiresome. And I think, I think having the ability to recognize other people and how hard they're working, I think that is beneficial. I think maybe the older generations, it's just expected. Whereas I feel like my generation and younger want that a little bit more encouragement. So I think that's what I would ask from the older generation is the encouragement and the, the belief that you can do it. And then I would say for my generation, it's work, work your buns off and, and it'll pay off and, and it's worth it. And it's fun and it's passionate and it's tiring and it's hard. Um, but you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for the community and for the business. And, and it's at the end of the day, it's, it's all worth it. Great. So is it this, you want me to give recommendation for that generation or my generation? <laughs> or both. If you could both, why don't you, you know, one, what would you both. tell the current, the controlling generation? It actually is the same thing. Okay. We're talking about transitioning. You know, when it, when it gets to a job for 50 years, you're not going to be there for 80 years. You know, hopefully, well, hopefully I haven't. Um, <laughs> you know, it, there is a finite time frame, you know, and, and I think one of the things that I see, especially with other uh, family businesses and parks, our generation doesn't know how to let go. And I think that's the wisdom I have to give to Genevieve, but mm -hmm. mostly to other people and, my, and myself is, you know, things aren't going to be done the way you want them to do always. And you have to let them make mistakes. They can't, you know, hopefully don't make a critical mistake. You know, we're very, uh, cognizant of that, especially with safety and, and with uh, employee relations and things, and we've got to make sure that things are being done right, but at the end of the day, they have to put their own brand on it and let them do it, and I think this year, especially yeah. after the kind of the break of the year, that did give us, that's one of the silver linings, mm -hmm. it gave us a, a time to step back and say, we don't have to do everything, and we don't have to micromanage every detail. And I think that's become more apparent this year. So for our generation, is let it go. And for their generation, do it and show us you can do it. Right. And, then, and then take the responsibility to do it, which has been tough because they haven't been given the responsibility. So it's, it's this point of thing of saying, and that's a, unless we were to leave and say, okay, I'm retired, you figure it out. We hope that the trans. I don't want that. I don't want it to be one day. Here's the keys. Good luck. I don't. I'm not. I'm not ready yet either. And I think earlier you were. Oh yeah, when I was like 20 something, I was like, I can do this. You need to retire tomorrow. Get out of here. Get out of my way. And then I realized, wait a minute. I don't know nearly enough what I need to know, especially on the back end things. I think operationally I'm pretty sound, but yeah. I think on the the back side of things and the government relations and the financial stuff, I still have a ways to go. Um, but it's that kind of young cockiness when you get out of college and you think you know everything and you're invincible. And I think I've had to have a few reality checks and I think we've had some tougher discussions about it. And um, I may not always get what I want, but I think at the end of the day, we have a huge respect for one another and we know we can't do it without the other. Um, and it's finding that middle ground to see, okay, what's the next step and how do we continue this and how do we continue our legacy? And, and if it's not us, then then what's the best course of action for the park? Um, and yeah. None of us want that. We are all in it. We are, we are as thick as we can. And <laughs> none of us want to see it change, but we also know in reality that it may not be. So it's kind of just adapting yeah. with the times and figuring out because the world now in 2021 is not the world that it was in 1920 or in 1879. So and, how do we continually? And that's, you know, that's the it? one thing that we see now. And 
you know, when we came into it, it was the park was nowhere near safe, and you know, we, we you know, really no money, and you know, very, uh, and we had to really work hard to, to get it where it is today. It's much, much more complicated now doing business in New York State than it was yeah. in the 70s and 80s. It is a complicated world, and it's a rapidly evolving world, and it's it's not easy in business today. And I, I, you know, that, that's the one thing you see out there on the clouds on the horizon is, boy, you really got to be paying attention. And yeah. it's, it's not easy. It's not easy bucket anyway anymore. So it's it's a, it's, it's a challenge. I would agree. If um, somebody's coming to the park tomorrow, um, what would be, you know, what are the, the two or three things? I know it's different for everybody, but you mentioned one, I think paying attention to the park history and seeing the museum and the signs and taking the time to really appreciate that would be one thing I would say, don't miss. Mm -hmm. um, what are the, you know, take a ride on the jackrabbit and remind us, where does the jackrabbit fit in terms of wooden coasters around the world? So it's the oldest continuous running wooden roller coaster in the country, which the American coaster enthusiasts have made a landmark for us. So it's actually a landmark, which is really cool. Um, so it's, it's got a great history. Um, what was, 101 years old. Yeah, 101 years old. We couldn't celebrate the 100th birthday last year because of COVID, so we made sure to bring it back nice and strong this year for 101. But when we were getting all bummed out last summer, we could just go fire up the jet grab. Yeah, we brought it a couple times. During COVID, did you guys go and use the park? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, there's, there's one of those family benefits. Flowers were all planted. Yeah, we're ready to go. Good for you. Good for you. Um, um, going back to your question, one thing I would recommend, so obviously checking out the history, two is unplug. Don't be on your cell phone. Live in the moment. Enjoy your family time. Enjoy people. Enjoy interacting with other people. We are such a melting pot um, of diverse people from Rochester, and it's just, it's great to see everybody coming together and having a great time, and I think not being on your cell phone and, and living in that world, I think that's another benefit, and um you know, just having fun and letting go and trying things that you may, you may not want to get on the teacups, but maybe your kids are begging you to do it and you, you try it out or, you know, just kind of soak up the moments. I feel like a lot of us, especially my generation, lives on their phones and in technology. And I think that's maybe why people really like it because this is an outdoor experience provided um, facility. And I think people really should soak that up. Great. I want to thank you both for joining us today and sharing parts of your story. Um, I'm certain that, you know, if I had 13 other questions here, we could talk for about five more hours. Um, and because the history is so rich and really, we have a lot to be proud of here in Rochester to have you guys here and you have been great stewards of the Seabreeze legacy. Um, so appreciate your time today. Thank you. Everybody everybody get out go see Seabreeze um, if you're not in the area make sure go look at their website and, and just look at the history and you know they and 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 just kind of soak in what this family has done they've got a lot to be proud of and um, we'll uh, there, I'm sure there are other family business venues that would be happy to speak with you about you know what you've done um, thank you for joining us. My name is Michael Columbus. I'm with Family Wealth and Legacy here in Rochester, New York. You've been listening to the Family Biz Show. 
Um, if you've liked what you've heard today, please make sure you hit the subscribe button and so that the other episodes can be coming uh, to you on a regular basis. And we wouldn't get so mad if you leave us a nice little recommendation or you know put hit that five-star button uh, afterwards so that my mom's not the only one telling everybody what a great show this is. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, have a great week. Thanks for listening to The Family Biz Show. We appreciate your time and trust to deliver the best guests and most cutting-edge information to help you maximize your family business. Being part of a family is tough. Add a business to that, and it gets even tougher. Tune in next week as we strive to ease your journey with The Family Biz Show. The content presented is for informational and educational purposes. The information covered and posted are views and opinions of the guests and not necessarily those of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Michael Columbus is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Financial Affiliates and other fine companies. Family Wealth and Legacy LLC is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.